Welcome to the Life After Life podcast, where we explore our soul's physical and non-physical journey. I'm Majana. Let's discuss angels, guides, and loved ones from the other side. Hello! How's everybody doing today? Wow, we're going to talk about the basis of everything, the basis of life and the afterlife, energy. I think on the last podcast, I said we were going to be doing this, and now here we are. Someone emailed and asked about this. They said, okay, obviously, you know, people and even animals, particularly mammals, because that's what is the easiest for us to relate to, we have energy, we have a consciousness, and so we reincarnate, our energy moves forward, and we can continue to grow. What about other animals, and what about even trees and other grasses and plants and flowers and so forth? Now, this is where I think it gets kind of cool. So let's start at the top with the biggest things on the food chain, well, as far as we're concerned, and that would be us. So let's make sure we're on the same page. As far as this podcast is concerned, if if you're just joining us, This is coming from the basis that we have had many lives before now, and we will continue to have other lives. Reincarnation is the basis here. And it's really simple to buy into that as higher order thinking beings, we can plan out a soul path in between lives, get with other souls in our soul pod, and come up with a plan as to how we can grow and help others grow as well. All right, what about animals? Well, we know, I'm so grateful for this, that finally humanity is looking at animals and saying, oh, you know what? There is an intelligence there. They don't speak our language and they don't really behave the way we do, but look, there's an intelligence there. Unfortunately, humanity's been slow to do that, you know, even towards other races of humanoids. There's been this mentality of conquering and then I'm the winner and you have to do what I say and you're less than me anyway. You know, they've done that with many, many ethnic groups. So animals have not been treated differently than some of those ethnic groups, treated as though they have no intelligence and they're lesser beings and they are simply here for our enjoyment, food, or for our use, for labor, make our lives easier. Now the big the big mammals, whales, even the um, dolphins, we study, there's been so much studying on their communication, their family pods, and how nurturing and communicative they are. And then, of course, the great apes. Remember Coco, the gorilla that learned sign language? She was a huge instrument in getting the scientific community to acknowledge the intelligence of primates. And it's finally, I think, filtering on down. Now, if you get on Facebook, you see tons and tons of of cats and dogs and, and a variety of other animals displaying love, commitment to each other, intelligence, nurturing. They're just so, so very heartwarming. So it's easier for us to understand maybe all animals now than it was even 20 years ago as being intelligent beings. Does that mean that they reincarnate? What happens to them when they die? When my kids were little, there was a movie, All Dogs Go to Heaven, that my daughters absolutely loved. And so, do all dogs go to heaven? Well, yes, I do believe they do. 
and I'm not a really great animal communicator. There have been times that they've come through, and it's always a treat and a surprise when that happens. But I do believe that animals can reincarnate, and I don't even pretend to have all the answers with this. I don't have all the answers with us. You know, there's, um, I think, so many different possibilities. If you can possibly imagine a scenario, that scenario can and actually probably is being played out in another dimension or a parallel universe as we speak. If not there, then certainly in another lifetime. So animals, especially pets, I think, have a bond with people. And I think that those pets can be in your soul pod. You can have the same dog soul repeatedly in the same lifetime. They don't tend to live as long as we do. All right, so animals. I Hopefully we're in on the animals. Then it gets a little more interesting. Have you ever thought about trees? I'm, I'm starting large and going down, right? So trees have always held this attraction to me. I've just always had a connection. And several years ago, my daughter got me this book that is just amazing. It's called The Hidden Life of Trees by Peter Wall, Wallabin, I think is how you say his name, W-O-H-L-L-E-B-E-N. And it's actually been on the New York Times best seller list. The subtitle is What They Feel, How They Communicate. And I want to read you just a bit from the jacket cover that is just mm, speaks to my heart. So the author, Peter Wall- Wallabin, convincingly makes the case that, yes, the forest is a social network. He draws on groundbreaking scientific discoveries to describe how trees are like human families. Tree parents live together with their children, communicate with them, support them as they grow, share nutrients with those who are sick or struggling, and even warn each other of impending dangers. Wallabin also shares his deep love of woods and forests, explaining the amazing processes of life, death, and regeneration he has observed in his woodland. So this is just a really, really cool book. And if you haven't, I would highly recommend it as a read. So what do you think? Do I have a career as an audiobook <laughs> in audiobooks like Thomas? Can I give him a run for his money? I don't think so. Okay, back to our topic here. Yes, energy and trees. I have always loved to go through a, for a walk through the woods. And I'm just guessing that there are some of you out there that are kindred spirits when it comes to that. And there are times I have heard the trees speak to me, not in words, but in knowing. And, you know, it's not unlike hearing from messages from guides or someone on the other side. Sometimes I hear actual words or it's one of those other Claire's, you know, Claire Sentinel, Claire Audient, Claire Voyant, <laughs> you know, one for every sense. And I'm fortunate enough that I do have all of those. So spirits talk to me in whichever form is going to get the message across the easiest. And there's also just claircognizant where you just know. And that is sort of how it comes across with trees. And there was a very cool, Thomas and I were in uh, Sedona one year, and there was such a cool experience. It was middle of winter. It was quite cold. We were hiking in the snow. It was absolutely beautiful. And the trees 
made a comment to me because we were both just absolutely overtaken by the energy. You know, we're in vortexes. Sedona has lots of vortexes. We were the only ones out there. And coming upon vortex after vortex and this, we were both just stopped dead in our tracks and just taking in the energy. And I received the very, very clear message that I don't remember verbatim right now, but at the time it was amazing. But it was along the lines of many people see us, several people notice us, very few hear us. And it really was so very strong. And it was like this communication of deep gratitude from the trees that we actually were stopping and sharing energy with them and enjoying it, truly connecting with them. So yes, yes, we are truly tree huggers. <laughs> That's us. We do it. There was another time I was really, really struggling with some family issues and went for a walk. This was actually in a park that had just a ton of absolutely beautiful trees And I just kind of camped out by a tree and was deep in thought, you know, very much in my head, trying to process feelings. And only a Capricorn probably understands that, trying to process feelings through your head. Good Lord, don't let Thomas hear me say that. But the cool thing was I really pretty quickly started feeling better, feeling oddly comforted. And I turned my attention to the trees, and it was very, very cold And I just really kind of sounds weird, but maybe merged with that tree. I was touching the bark and just noticing the temperature change, you know, where the sun was hitting the tree, how much warmer it was versus the shade side of the tree, tangible difference. And feeling the sap in the tree, feeling it sluggish because of the cold, feeling the tree just being tired, but yet the energy was still there and it was still communicative. And I ended up going from tree to tree, just really observing the bark, really getting into the tree. It was really very, very amazing. And I became aware of the time. I thought, oh, okay, I better kind of head back to the rest of the group. So I started going, walking back and As I walked past, which would have been the next tree in line for my attention, I was walking past it and a single leaf dropped from the tree and floated down, literally landing on me. I saw it drifting down, but I continued to walk and it it landed on me. It was just so amazing, the timing. No other, it wasn't windy. There were no other leaves falling. And I truly just stopped and looked at the tree and I thought, wow, was that intentional? Could that possibly have just happened that that tree dropped a leaf because I wasn't coming over? I don't know, because it wasn't getting the attention or because it was offering me energy, condolence, sympathy, or whatever, compassion, maybe empathy. So I, of course, I had to go over and thank the tree. Just some kind of cool things that have been experiences and things to think about. So is there an intelligence? Yeah, you know, I believe there is. I mean, it makes sense. If trees can live hundreds of years, and in this book, The Hidden Life of Trees, 
he makes a very big distinction between trees that grow in the wild, that drop seeds, and that's what he talks about, their children, they raise their children nearby, versus trees that are planted by cities or by individuals placed in strategic places and they don't really have their community. There's a very different energy among those. And if you've ever gone for a walk in the woods, you know that. It's just, do we pay attention to it? So if a tree can live that long and it sees so many years of life and death and rebirth, not only among other trees, but if it's in the wild, you know, all the animals that live there and all the other plants that live there and maybe even humans, it sees people grow up. You know, there's that book that's kind of for kids too called The Giving Tree where this tree gives and gives and which is a great book and it's also a great study on learning to set boundaries and what and not being a martyr lots of layers of good lessons in that book all right so what if we go down you know going down in scale and now we're talking about bushes grass those kinds of things well, obviously they have energy, and this is kind of a cool activity to do. Wait till it's warmer, maybe, <laughs> just for your own comfort. But take some time and just sit out in nature and pick one living thing and just focus on it. Now, this is sort of like, remember, at least back here in the United States several years ago, these laser art books became really, really popular, and it looked just like random designs it was a repeated design on a sheet of paper that was kind of cool to look at but the thing is when you held it close to your face and it's moving your eyes out of focus sort of relaxing your your focus and then slowly pull the book back away from your eyes a 3d image would pop out that was like Totally, it could be very complex. It was amazing. And it, or it could be a very simple image. But you could not possibly see that image initially until you could shift your focus. Again, there's a lot of metaphors there. That's a whole lot like speaking with the other side of the veil. It's shifting your perception. Instead of your eyes, it's your energy. So you're out there looking at a tree or a flower or something and shifting your focus and you may be able to see the energy of that living thing. It's the same as seeing a person's energy, which we call an aura, right? And I read a long time ago, true or not, don't know, but in the Bible, you know, when they have pictures of halos around holy people, that that is supposed to be representative of an aura. So when you're, which is just an energy field, and you can see that on these other living things. So they definitely have energy. Do they have a soul? Do they have an intelligence? Now we're getting, you know, I don't know. This becomes maybe a little sci-fi. I think because of my experiences. You know, recently my sister and I sister and I were talking and I said, "You know, if I personally had not had these experiences and I just heard about them, I would probably, honestly, be pretty skeptical. I'm kind of a science person, and I really want things to make sense and have some logic to them. And some of the stuff that I have seen and experienced 
doesn't if you just go by Newtonian physics and the laws of science that we perceive here on Earth. So I know there is more to it than that. And because of that, I'm also now very, very hesitant to say anything is impossible. About the time I think something is impossible, it's proven to me that it's not. (laughs) So the question becomes, is it plausible in our dimension on the earth realm? There are people that I have seen, especially as children, but still adults, that do have a connection with that other dimension that most of us, especially as adults, lose connection with. And I'm talking about the realm of the wee little people. You know, the leprechauns and pixies and fairies and gnomes and trolls and all of those that we think of as fables or fairy tales from long ago. There are people that still have contact with them. You know, when Brock was little, he was just a hoot because he absolutely, well, he saw things that I did not see. He saw his spirit animal, and I had no idea what it was. That sent us on an expedition trying to figure out what this was. But he was absolutely 100% convinced that there are leprechauns, and they came into our dimension, especially around St. Patrick's Day, which made it his absolute favorite holiday. And he came up with very, very creative leprechaun traps, although he never did quite catch one. And he was quite dismayed by that. But he was convinced that they walk among us. He was also equally convinced for a long time that we had a house elf that was a little mischievous. I didn't see them, but you know, all this other stuff that I do see and that lives in our houses, I certainly wasn't going to tell him it wasn't possible. Now, since I've opened back up into doing sessions with people, I have come across people, especially, I mean, as adults, that do still have contact and have even had memories of having contact and said, oh my gosh, that didn't feel like a dream. I truly did not think that that was a dream and it's just been validated. So, you know, maybe it sounds a little sci-fi, but it's all possible. It's all right here. I love, I love the idea that when you're connecting with the other side, angels, guides, loved ones that have crossed over, there really is nowhere else but here. Everything is right here. There just are like folds in the veil or slightly different dimensions And some people can see or access through those veils with more skill or ease, maybe, than other people. So what is reality for some is not necessarily reality for everybody. For those that have access to that realm of the pixies and so forth, I do believe that the grasses and the flowers do possibly even have personalities. You know, there's the wood nymphs and so forth that live within them. There's a consciousness, I believe, and even recently I read that on this dimension (laughs) on Earth, scientists have recorded a couple of things that I find very, very um, concerning, honestly. One of them is the trees communicating with each other. When they know danger is coming, and one and they're going to be cut down 
And in the process of being cut, they have recorded trees actually screaming. That just kind of makes my stomach not so good. And more recently, I read that they have captured something similar with plants in distress, that there is a high-pitched ultraviolet sound scream that plants release when they are in distress. So again, we don't hear it, but does that mean it's not happening? And if we start thinking about that, boy, it makes us really look at things very differently, right? With a very different respect. All right, then let's go down one more step. What about the plants that we use for crops, farmer's plant, that we use for our food? You know, the reality is vegetarian, vegan, or an omnivore, something dies so that we can eat. We're killing plants so that we can eat. I don't know about the consciousness, intelligence of those plants that you plant, they produce food, we harvest it, and then they don't come back next year. They just are a one and done. There's definitely energy, right? I mean, we know the energy is transferred. Law of Newtonian physics, energy is neither created nor destroyed. It's constant. It changes form all the time. So that food changes from form, changes energetic form when we eat it and it becomes all of the energy that we need to function. But I don't know about a level of intelligence and maybe I just don't want there to be. Maybe I don't, I just don't want to think about planting crops and then they know their whole purpose in life is to grow up and die. (laughs) That's pretty, that's kind of rude. But you know that I think the Native Americans had it right. Whenever they especially killed an animal, use all of it, don't waste any of it. And I love it when people do that today, especially when they're hunting, you know, deer hunting or whatever, and they're using, they're killing the animals and eating the meat. And I, you know, I think that's okay. You're actually, the whole point, I don't want to get into a big argument about that, but as long as you're being humane about it and it's not It's not for sport. I'm so not okay with that. But if, you know, or just killing it and leaving it laying there. But hunting is also, I get it, you're helping keep the population, especially deer because they can procreate so much, keeping the population at a sustainable rate. So otherwise these poor animals are going to starve to death, right? So I get it. I get both sides of it. And the Native Americans used the entire animal. They thanked the animal. They said a prayer after killing it, thanking the animal for giving its life. Now, I also read this, and I haven't researched it, so I'm not willing to say it's absolute truth, but it takes us down to the last layer here. What about inanimate objects? Do they have a soul or energy? You know, we look at rocks, sand, gravel, wind, water, all of those things. Now, we know wind and water use make energy because we use it. But do they have energy in and of themselves? So try that with the same experiment with the living plants or flowers or trees. Sit down. Look at them. Let your eyes go out of focus. Can you see an energy? Some people, myself included, when I hold a rock, different 
different kinds of rocks, you can feel the energy. It might just, some of them might cause a tingling or an itching in your hand. Some of them will feel higher vibration. Some of them lower. Some of them are grounding. Some of them help, you know, this, gosh, there's a whole market on gemstones and crystals and their properties and how to use them. Personally, I I do that. I buy into that. I find dark crystals, dark stones, very grounding. And there are some that help with intuitive abilities for sure. And then there are some that are used for healing as well. So they have energy. Do they have a consciousness? I don't know. I've never communicated with those before. Not saying it's not possible. I feel their energy, but I've never connected with one. So recently, I read that when way, 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 way back in the day, when the Indians would use, say, rocks, maybe flint, to make an arrowhead, they're changing the shape of this rock. So they're changing the energy. And they were aware of that. So as they were chiseling away part of the stone, breaking it away, changing the shape, it maintained its integrity that arrowhead still had energy and was still useful and maintained its integrity because of the craftsmanship that went into it and the acknowledgement that I'm taking something away from you, therefore I need to replace it with something else. And they replaced it with their skill and and their gratitude and their acknowledgement of gratitude for that stone, that piece of flint, giving up part of itself so that it could become a weapon or a tool. And this article went on to say that any, today still, any really fine piece of craftsman, if you find furniture that is handmade, you can feel the energy in it. And you know, I never thought about that. But it is sturdy and it's strong and it's beautiful and it lasts. If you want to have you know, a piece of furniture to pass down through your family, you're not going to go buy that at Walmart. And that was the other side of it. We mass produce. We send people into forests to cut down trees with complete disrespect. Don't give it any thought as to these are living things. Is there a consciousness? Are we slaughtering? Are we taking a life and not replacing it with anything? And then send it into factories where same thing. People are there not making a great living and putting in their time and the products show that energy right they don't last there's not integrity in them they're cheaply made they're not going to withstand the test of time and so the point of this article was just that honoring of all energy go back to that something the native americans did really really well was honoring the earth as a living, breathing entity, and all pieces of it had energy and were living. And even though we have domain and we can use them for our benefit to honor that, honor that they are alive and replace what we take with part of ourselves. Well, maybe that got a little sci-fi. I don't know. But, you know, part of my thing is I want you thinking. I, I love to think. I love to go down the rabbit hole And do all the what-ifs in really positive ways and expand our thoughts and perhapses and all that good stuff. So thank you for hanging with me here. And I would love to hear from you. 
podcast suggestions, questions, comments. You can get me at Majana at Life After Life Radio. And I would love you to check out our new website. It's soulfoodtalks.com, S-O-U-L foodtalks.com. And we've got some, there's some great gift cards on there for the holidays. And we're always putting new stuff up there. There's freebies as well. So make yourself at home and download some freebies. We'd love it. Some meditations. And Thomas has some astrology information on there. So I look forward to talking to you again soon. And until then, namaste.